0: You're listening to the Deep Purple Podcast, a fan podcast about one of the most legendary bands of all time, Deep Purple. We take a look at the music, history, and people behind the band Deep Purple and beyond. Welcome to the Deep Purple Podcast, the first and only podcast devoted to one of the greatest bands in rock history, Deep Purple. Today's episode is episode number 159 Squares. And coming to you from the springtime suburbs of Chicago, I'm your host, Nathan Beaudry.
1: And coming to you from the suburbs of Providence, I'm your co host, John, the Easter Bunny (laughs) Matola. It's just because Easter is coming. (laughs) I mean, by the time this is out, it's probably going to be past. Yeah, well, in
0: the rearview mirror. It will have been a couple of weeks ago, or yeah, a couple of weeks ago it was Easter.
1: How was your Easter, John? <laughs> um, How do you think your you Easter now, went? <laughs> I think it probably sucked. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> um, I think that, uh, yeah, I don't know. I have no idea. Like, uh, let's just say that COVID is like ripping through the state again like a freaking bull in a china shop. So who even <sighs> knows what's going to happen? Yep. I mean, it's not as severe, but I mean, it's causing a lot of people to be out at work and everybody all like, I don't want to get close to anybody. But, you know, luckily, at least, you know, unlike a couple of years ago, like not as many people are as afraid of uh, serious complications. So that's good. Um, Yay. (laughs) But I hope that I had a I hope I had a good dinner. And, um, (laughs) that I enjoyed my family's company and drank a lot of wine and, uh, yeah.
0: Yeah. I'm hoping I had, um, I had some lamb on a spit once again. And, uh, yeah, that's usually what I do every year on the open spit out in the backyard. Cook the, cook the lamb leg. Delicious. Delicioso. All right. Well, hey folks, it's been a big week. So if you're looking uh, to support our show, if you receive value for the Deep Purple podcast, or from the Deep Purple Podcast, and you're like, hey, I want to give back some value to show my appreciation, you can do it a number of ways, one is by leaving us a 5 star review on Apple Podcasts, which earns you a little spin on the Flexitone, which I'll show our YouTube viewers, but I'm not going to play because it is um, it is only for 5 star reviews, or if we determine we want to do it for any other reason. Um, See, John just uh, used used his cough switch, and it worked. Hopefully, it works on both channels this time.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Why? How did you know?
0: We had. Well, I I looked up, and I saw (laughs) I saw the unmistakable (laughs) face of you belching. So we had, it's worth mentioning, John listens back to the show and is like, oh, I, I was cracking up because I let out this big belch. He's like, he thought he had muted it with his switch. Apparently he had muted it, but he was accidentally recording the audio that he sends me on a different switch or a different channel, which did not mute it. So it went out to everybody with a giant belch in it.
1: <laughs> the funniest part was, is the part you thought wasn't funny was, is like, well but that's not going to make any sense because I was totally oblivious and I'm like that's why I thought it was that's hilarious because right, so, you were talking I'm just like, I was like
0: <laughs> talking about something I don't remember what episode it was but I'm like oh yeah the history of this album <laughs> and, and I just keep going without, and John doesn't laugh I don't laugh there's no reaction by either of us so it's just <laughs> oh,
1: that's when I realized that like uh, something has been wrong with but the was, audio but it's good because it, it,
0: it, it clued us in that whole incident clued us into the fact that there was an audio problem and now we've resolved oh. the problem Ooh. good, times. <laughs> good um, so times another way you can support us is by sending john some gas x
1: or you can <laughs> uh you can yeah, you can buy I some think I have, merch I, think I have a medical problem here <laughs> <laughs> somebody help dr jill breeze help <laughs> yes please
0: <laughs> just stop eating so much gaseous foods or or cabbage or whatever I don't know what you had for dinner um, you can buy some merch at our Etsy store we have shirts and mugs still available and we might be adding some new stuff too uh, you never know you can make a pa- patron on patreon for as little as one dollar a month help support the show you can also do that via PayPal and you can also donate to us on cash app with dollar sign DP pod dollar sign D P P O D. If you want to be the first one to send us cash using cash app, uh, that will be exciting. And, uh, Hey, speaking of Patreon, um, so it was something I'd been, so are you familiar with discord, John? I know I sent you the info, but have you ever used discord? So it's, it's an app like that basically is like, um, it's an app you can use on your phone or you can, uh, use it on the, the, the desktop or, or whatever. And Basically, it's a chat. It's like a chat function. You can chat with people. There's different channels, and um, you you can uh, just talk to me. It's it's kind of like a cross between a chat system and a message board and all that. So it, it's one of those things that it's built into a lot of Patreons, and I've been toying around with it for a while, saying should I do it? Uh, one of our new new pat- <clears throat> new patrons, John said, hey, you should set it up as a reward for patrons. So I said, ah, eh, it doesn't cost anything, why not? So I set it up, and then, boom, it kind of exploded, and over the past few days, everyone's been really active on the, the Discord channel, so it's been cool. So it's basically for it's for patrons only. If you become a patron and support the show, you can gain access to our patrons-only Discord, which has you know quite a few people in there chatting about all things Deep Purple and other things. Um, even the Gardeau made a sighting. So... You know it's you know it's good if, if if Peter's checking it out. Um so yeah, so check that out. Uh it's on, on our, our Discord if uh if you are a patron and you have not received uh a, a invite, it's on the Patreon page, the link to it. And if that does not work for whatever reason, just shoot us an email and we'll send you a link to the Discord and you can join and join in the discussion. So exciting things. And uh also speaking of patrons Heyo. Heyo. We have a patron upgrade. John Kynes who joined us last week is already upgrading his patron account to the uh turn it up to 11 dollar tier. So yeah. thank you um thank you very much for your generosity. We really appreciate that, John. Um, so John writes in. He says uh, about what I should call him. He said, just John might work since I play a Hammond C3, just not nearly as well as the real John. He spells his John the same way as John Jonathan Douglas Lord likes to spend- spell his name. Ah, uh-huh, My um, best keyboardist. Your best keyboardist. I can learn and parrot his playing, but I'd never create anything that good in a lifetime. It's just a hobby and a labor of love for me. Definitely not a talent. Cheers! Well, I'd say if you can parrot something John Lord's doing, then it's I definitely a talent <laughs> at that point. Um, mm-hmm. But yes, thank you uh, very much, John, for 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 upgrading after one episode. You know? That's uh, always, always appreciated. Uh, so, thanking our patrons at the executive level, we have at the $25 Uncommon Man tier, we have Ovis Nokvi at the Twenty-one twelve, long live rock and roll. Tier Richard Fusey at the ten pound tier. Doctor Jill Brees at the turn it up to eleven dollar tier. Clay Wambacher, Frank Teelgardt, Mortensen, Alan ain't too proud to beg in Michael Steen, and of course, heyo, John Kynes, our newest uh, upgrade. And at the ten dollar, someone came tier Ryan M, Jeff Bryce, Gerald Kelly, Victor Campos, Better Call Saul Evans. And Kev Roberts and his wonderful children, Matthew, Gareth, and Sarah. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. Um, okay. So, uh, yeah, you can, if you're into what we're doing and you want kind of some similar stuff, there's a bunch of similar like minded shows deep, uh, deep Dive Podcast Network.com. And on Twitter, Deep Dive Pod Net, you can check out. Um, all sorts of podcasts about your favorite bands. Check them out. Lots of lots of great stuff. Lots of great shows there. OK, so this week we are talking about squares. What do you think about that? Why John looks so serious? Do I have, do uh, I have something I'm on my not face? I'm not serious. I no, something? I was
1: I was the opposite of serious. I was laughing. You're, goof, you're goofing on me. No, I'm not. I'm I'm just thinking about how funny it was when you saw my microphone and you said, is that your passport taped to the back of your microphone? (laughs) Yeah, I forgot. So, yeah,
0: we talked about that off camera. But, yeah, I was like, has he taped up his his passport to the back of his microphone? And the answer is yes, that is exactly what he has done.
1: (laughs) Wait, Where's the most recent uh, stamp in there from? Uh, Well, that's, that's uh, that's my old one. Oh, okay. It's got the, yeah, I guess you would. Um, yeah, it also has it. a
0: hole punched in it with some twist ties wrapped around. So I guess you wouldn't have <laughs> destroyed your current passport.
1: <laughs> this probably yeah, a better no, way my, to. <laughs> no, where's my recent one?
0: Yeah, I don't think that's actually doing anything now. Not, you know now that we talked about it, but you know
1: what? You can leave leave yeah, the passport well it, up it, for today. It's felt like it, it felt like it did like before, but oh, oh my god, my latest passport photo is terrible.
0: Um, no, don't don't show your, your passport number or anything.
1: No, I won't. I can't tell where these stamps are from. Probably Italy. Yeah, that would make sense. Where's this one? Oh, January fourth, twenty twenty, Bahamas. That's it. Oh, that's, that's one right.
0: Yeah, we even you mm-hmm. even came back with with the vid- Deep Purple related video for the show. That was an early episode.
1: <laughs> oh, I remember that.
0: Yeah, that was <laughs> that was your last uh, your last bit of travel before everything went to shit.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um. All right, so yeah, so this week squares. Do you have any familiarity with squares? I know we talked about it on an early episode because this album came out. Yeah. I don't know a few months after we started doing the podcast, and we talked about it a little bit on the on the album. But are you familiar with it at all? Nope.
1: So I don't. I don't know anything.
0: So it grabbed my interest right away because it was. Um, it came out, like I said, right after we started doing the show. And so I, so I listened to it like, uh, right away on Spotify because it was billed as being basically, this is unreleased Joe Satriani, his band in 1982 released, recorded all this stuff and they'd never released anything until today. So I thought, wow, I, you know, I, I, I got really into Joe Satriani, um, when we were, you know, when we were younger, right around the time we were kind of getting into Deep Purple and all that stuff, but I had never really, I, the idea of him playing as more in more of a band with like vocals and um, yeah. that sort of stuff was really appealing to me. So I listened to it. I really, really dug it and it's been on the back burner now for like quite a few years and we really haven't touched on any Satriani yet other than like peripherally. So I figured why not start at the very beginning, even though it's one of his newer releases, it's it's some of his oldest music that's available, his oldest recorded music. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, so what you got on this album you've got Andy Milton on bass and vocals he was the lead vocalist he had uh, really hadn't done much else after this he had done some work with Crowded House and the Aqua Velvets on drums you've got Jeff Campitelli he went on to play uh, drums for Joe on a number of his solo albums including like Surfing with the Alien and the stuff that we probably got into
1: Jeff Campitelli yeah oh
0: Uh -oh, hey (laughs) Forget about this guy over here. Um, yeah, a union so, job, <laughs> <it's>, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, Jeff Campatelli. So yeah, he's he's got a pretty good he's got a pretty good very um, Satriani heavy resume uh, or CV as uh, you Brits like to call it. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. And Joe Satriani's brother-in-law co-wrote a lot of the lyrics as well as managing the band. So, um, hmm. Neil Sheehan is his name. Um, he's got quite a, he's got got a bit of uh play on Discogs. He's, uh, you know, been in music management and stuff like that. So, um, so he's got a f- few little things. I guess it's mostly just, um, just this band, but yeah, that's, um, that's kind of where we're at with this band. It's not a lot of, um, uh, not a lot, a, a lot more history beyond that. Um, it was produced and mixed and recorded by John Cunaberti, who I might be pronouncing incorrectly. Um, he produced some of the early Satriani stuff, including not of this earth and surfing with the alien. Um, he also worked with dead Kennedy's Tracy Chapman, uh, PJ Harvey, Aaron Neville and the grateful dead. So there you go. Um, but yeah, so kicking it, uh, off as we get into the album, looking at the artwork here, it's kind of a, um, if I can find it here, it's somewhere, am I in the right thing? Nope, that's not it. Um, nope, that's not it. Oh, here it is. Um, so here's the album cover. Uh, this is, share this with you. Sorry, I'm out of, pra- I feel like we haven't recorded in like three weeks, even though it's been like <laughs> <laughs> Only one week, <laughs> normal amount of time. <laughs> so there's the album cover. Amateur hour
1: over
2: here.
0: Yeah, apparently, uh, this. So this was. Um...
1: <laughs> Look at this
0: guy. Look at this. This guy over here. So this was. Uh, you know. This is the uh, the album cover. But like I said, this was interestingly what I, what I kind of learned looking at this is this was considered to be just like a collection of demos and things. But as we get into it, to me, it works pretty well as an album. And it's, you know, I, I, I listen to a lot of stuff that way too, like collections of demos and you just listen to them over and over again to you. It just kind of blends in and becomes an album in your mind. But so this was kind of obviously thrown together, although I can imagine this being an album cover from the time, you know, just like the way that it's, they did a good job, I think in capturing that early eighties look and feel to it.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, um, the, the first thing it's given me is like, um, like, uh, 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 Duran Duran or something like yeah. that. That, um, you know, um, if you want to stay in the, the deep purple family, like, uh, maybe like Hughes Thrall looking, uh, type of like guys, Yep. but like, yeah, you could easily put this like album up. Like if you had like a wall of like eighties new wave albums, this would just like blend right in. You'd be like, Oh, who's that? Yeah. Like, uh, yeah culture club and i
0: <laughs> i i haven't listened to it in a little bit but like i said when it yeah. came out i listened to it probably like a dozen times and i just really dug it right away because you know to me it was it was very uh it's very melodic and you've got this great kind of uh i don't know listening to it you wouldn't immediately pick this out as being joe Satriani. you'd think like oh this is some new wave band that i'd never really heard of which is kind of cool um yeah, so the uh, the album the design was by Ryan Corey, who was you know um, obviously was done recently, and the photography by Hey Hey Good Bros. I don't know what that means, but there you go. All um, right. And then uh, what else you got here? You got that, and then you've got the back cover, uh, which just lists uh, lists the back. Uh, lists the uh, songs and then a quote directly from Joe Satriani. I'm so very excited that my early 80s power pop trio Squares will finally have their much deserved international release. This release represents the best of the band's recordings, featuring Jeff Campitelli on drums, Andy Milton on oh. bass and lead vocals. Hey, and yours truly <laughs> playing guitar and doing a bit of singing too. Engineer and longtime collaborator John Cunaberdi recorded, remixed, oh. and remastered all the material for the stunning <laughs> debut album albeit 38 years late turn it up and enjoy joe satriani hey joe satriani yeah (laughs) i'm telling you
1: jeff uh, jeff and john this is like uh this is definitely a union job
0: yeah this is these are our people here guys this these are our people um really putting out putting out uh putting out some some great italian american uh new wave rock
1: It is even that picture of Satriani, he looks like a, he looks like an Italian guy. Yeah, he does. Well, he is an Italian guy. What's <laughs> a good reason for that? All right. Well, he looks like it then. That's true. Right?
0: Um, less less like Doctor Evil. <laughs> um, so there you go. Um, and obviously just Joe Satriani is releasing things on the same label as uh, Deep Purple Air Music. So um yeah, all that stuff kind of comes through the same channels. Um yeah, but it's it's really interesting. I, I, it's interesting about this band, kind of learning a little bit about them and just the fact that, you know, this is something I had absolutely no idea even existed until, um, until it was released a few years back. Um, okay, well, before we get into some of those tracks, we've got to do one thing, and that is to thank our core level patrons. Coming in at the $7.77 Keep It Warm Rat tier, we've got Michael Vader. At the $6.66 tier, we have Steve Coldwell, Arthur Smith, Anton Glaving, and Mike Catan. At the $6.65 almost evil tier, Kenny Wymore. At the $5.99 Nice Price tier, Fielding Fowler, Robert Smith, Peter from Illinois, and Michael Bagford. And at the $5 Money Lender tier, John Convery, German Heindel, Adrian Hernandez, Jesper Almen, Alexi The Perfect Stranger, Slepakov, James North, Mark Hodgetts, Will Porter, Zwapper The Electric Alchemist, and Tim Southern Cross Johnson. Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple podcast. Um, so he released a lot of kind of cool ma- ma- like mashup videos that use like photos from the time and and stuff uh, for some of these songs. So for any of those, I'll have. uh Links in the show notes if you want to go check them out, or you can just search them on YouTube. It'll come up just as easily. Um, and uh, with that, you want to kick it kick it off with the first track. he gave me a, just he, he mimed a punch, which I'm going to assume means yes.
1: Yeah, I'll do the fist because if I kicked my leg up, I'd knock the desk over. Yeah, and, please
0: and he's got a brand new desk folks, so you don't want to do that.:
1: Yeah, that's why anybody watching the video i'm at a I'm at a downward angle. Yeah, hey, I feel like I'm Eva
0: Perone singing down to you.
1: <laughs> don't cry well, for do we me, say John Matola. <laughs> what do we say before you? You don't shoot. You don't shoot women and Matola from a low angle. That's right. <laughs> only from the high angle. Exactly. Very yeah. flattering. It's much more flattering. Um, all right. Here is the first
0: track, the opening track right. of this collection, and it is called "Give It Up." <laughs>
1: I
2: really
0: like it. A pretty rockin' classic kind of uh, Joe Satriani feeling to it, but... But very poppy.
1: You almost kind of like... Um, kind of like punk, like Ramones type of vocals. And it's just
0: hearing this stuff with someone of the caliber of Joe Satriani playing it is just kind of <laughs> you didn't have a lot of Satriani level players in the scene at that at that point.
1: You know, this is definitely like very just like 80s, like, like power pop, almost like a little, little punk, like.
0: Yep. So I make my this was good stuff. Three minute song.
1: And I don't know where Satriani was with his playing at the time, but it's obviously very early work.
0: Yeah, I mean, he, his solo albums would come out a couple of years after this. He released like a, a self-titled that wasn't really
2: um,
0: widely released. And then I think what was the one he did after that? Um, I think I just referenced it earlier, didn't I? Uh, flying, Not Flying in a Blue Dream, but um, Not of This Earth, I think, was his, was his first mm-hmm. major one. Here we go. Very short for a Joseph- <laughs> for someone of his qual- caliber, but yeah, uh, some of his signature but, I mean, stuff I'm in that.
1: Wondering if he was still um, developing his style around now. Like I don't know how long he'd been playing at this point, but
0: I mean, I think for a while he was already. You know, he had already had you know Steve Vai as a student and Kirk Hammett and uh, Skolnick, I think was one of his students, so. by this point Zvi was already had already played with Zappa I think so he he uh I think I think he was really heavily into the teaching at this point probably
1: You could hear a little bit of him in the solo. I think it's because you you, uh, you said that it was Steve I um, Steve I uh, Joe Satriani yep. um, that I was I was listening for, you know what his kind of style is, and you could you could hear it a little bit. Like I, I you know, he didn't do like anything technique wise because it was such a short. It was like what like a 10-second solo. <laughs> yeah. If but, that. <clears throat> But you, but I could tell that it was, there were like little bits in there that it's like, yeah, I can tell that was, that was him, which was going to come out a lot more, um, like later. So. Yep.
0: Yeah. But, um, yeah, that's it. A quick, uh, th- quick, um, whatchamacallit, uh, a three minute solo, um, a three minute song rather three minute solo would be no- more, uh, uh more <laughs> normal, but. Yeah, that's it. What what would you rate? Give it up.
1: As usual, I'm struggling with the
0: spreadsheet as he struggles with the spreadsheet. Let's talk a little bit about Joe Satriani. So, yes, he was working as a, uh, a guitar instructor and it looks like probably uh, probably at this time he was doing from the best I can see was doing so I uh, was doing student work and um he started playing guitar at the age of 14 uh inspired by Jimi hendrix and like i said he you know he's he had students he had kirk hammett would have been his student um as well as uh um quite a few other people including alex skolnick and um steve Vai, of course so there you have it all right john give it up
1: (laughs) I see what you did there. Um, 3.5. All right. For, for, uh, I'm giving it up. I'm giving up 3.5 for uh, Mr. Century. I keep wanting to say bye, so I have to cut that out. (laughs) Um, Well, they're of
0: the same mold. They're related.
1: I know. Right. But, um, but yeah, definitely um, a, uh, a great uh, early eighties pop song, which, um, You know, just uh, goes to goes to show uh, already that um, I like stuff like this because already it shows out of the gate very early on that these people that everybody are just, you know, maybe would consider like, oh, they're just shredders or Mm -hmm. they're they're not they're boring or uh, whatever. They have no soul. It's like he can actually like write and play in a song and do a restrained uh, type of solo. Yep be part of a band. So I think, uh, yeah, I think it's pretty cool.
0: That stuff. Absolutely. I will uh, agree and also give it a 3.5 uh, for all those same reasons. I think it's a really, I, I think one of the things I really like about this album is it's, it's largely very upbeat and can, can, just kind of fun. It's a lot of fun listening to it. And it's, it's yeah. not it's super technical. And even Joe Satriani's like solo albums. Aren't like, he's not doing the crazy time signatures and do anything too crazy, but yeah, it's, it's a lot of obviously like technical playing. Um, but yeah, I think it's a lot of fun. And for our next song, I'm going to eat this cupcake that my daughter ate and made me. It's got all sorts of, it's got fake eyeballs on it and sprinkles and, um, two Hershey kisses like for horns. And I don't think this is edible, this little flower. Nope. That's not edible. <laughs> so that's, well, I'm jealous. <laughs> yeah. She didn't make you a cupcake. Actually, you can, you can make up the face a little bit better now if I
1: but i also don't have a cupcake either so yeah, oh true. yeah there it is yeah what was the occasion um she went to
0: a party for a friend of hers that's been like mm-hmm. postponed from like since november <laughs> so she her birthday party so it was like kind of a late birthday party so they went over and it looked like they were going to have to cancel again but they're like nope we're going to make it happen um so nice. yeah so she, she they did a make your own cupcake sort of station i'm going to get the studio all full of crumbs now As we um, go into the second track on this collection. And that is a song called Everybody's Girl.
1: You're right this is definitely upbeat yep
0: it reminds me of kind of like early Joe Jackson and then it's got that kind of feel to it I mean it would have been around the same time which makes sense That part right there just reminds me of Joe Jackson a
2: lot. Nice. Yeah, I love that. Yeah, I
1: mean, these guys really did a good job of like capturing what was going on in music at that time (laughs) that was popular.
0: It's like, it's, it doesn't quite even kick in. It's almost a guitar solo. It doesn't quite go there.
1: Yeah, I love that.
0: And I guess, you know, at the time, it wouldn't have probably struck anybody, but knowing what you know of Joe Satriani is, <laughs> you know, when this is not what I would have expected from his early stuff, and it's great. Mm-hmm. in and out yeah they don't waste any time on these songs either there's three minutes in and out done next boom
1: done boom next boom that's how we do
0: it all right what do you think of everybody's girl
1: well everybody's girl she's gonna they pass her around you know uh i got nothing else (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was going to go somewhere with it. And I'm like, nah, it fell really yeah, flat really fast. Up. Um, yeah. So I'm going to, I'll give it a three. Um, I, I thought it was very similar kind of energy and, you know, tempo to the first song. Uh, you know, I'm kind of getting, getting the idea of where this collection of songs is going. Yep. Um, the one thing that I really liked about it so far, which I can already sense maybe about this, um, this album is, is that, like, I mean, I don't know where Satriani's head was at at the time, but I'm guessing it could have been really easy for him to go off and do all the guitar pyrotechnics, but he doesn't. Yeah. And hearing that in retrospect, like you said, like knowing, you know, at the time people not knowing you know, this was Satriani or what he was gonna do. This wouldn't be weird, but hearing him be restrained or playing for the song is kind of like you're not used to it. You're used to him going off and doing these elaborate instrumentals, uh, because that's what he became, you know, part of that, you know, uh, or innovated part of that guitar uh players that did those instrumental um uh, guitar oriented albums and the um 80s and then going forward and um it, it's just it's cool to hear him be melodic and you know do kind of cool stuff like that like you like i was listening to him like i could play that mm-hmm. Yep, you know what yeah, i mean or thinking stuff, like sure. yeah that's like i could play it and that's that's really cool so
0: yeah i um at the beginning of the song, I don't, I'm not crazy about it, but then when it gets into that, like, I well, believe you, and it goes into that kind of, like, Joe Jackson-y, what reminds me of Joe Jackson, um, mm-hmm. maybe it's just because I really like Joe Jackson, but it, uh, that part I really like, so I agree with you on the three, I'm also gonna give it a three, um, And yeah, I mean, they, with having the musicianship in this band that they did, they could have gone like a Van Halen route. Van Halen would have been almost at the peak of their powers at this point, but they, but they didn't. I don't think that's what they were going for, even though they had somebody in the band that could, um, they kind of chose this different direction and
1: I like it. And I think that's what, you know, goes to, goes to prove like when you have guitar players like, um, like Eddie Van Halen or Satriani or Steve by, and I'm sure I'm forgetting a few of them, but just since we're talking about these guys that, um, that can, that uh, do have a lot of, um, do have a lot of that talent and can do all this crazy stuff that nobody ever heard of, or, but it's in such a, uh, a soulful and, um, accessible way that, it's it's like, oh, they're not just like shredders. Like, I mean, uh, you know, Ingve is one of them, you know, not very, yeah. uh, you know, not very accessible, not very memorable uh, type of stuff. Not a lot of it anyways. Um, Vinnie Vincent's another one. Um, Michelangelo Badio, <laughs> yes. another one. It's like just because you can doesn't mean you should. Oh yeah, I mean, the, so, and the list
0: of those folks goes on and on. The, the, right, the, but the, those are
1: some that I've heard the, of. Yeah, or the the unbelievable
0: cool. shredders, but can't really really create a song or write a song that's super, gonna grab anybody or at least be more mainstream. Right. Um, okay, so the next we t- we've heard about everybody's girl. The next girl we're going to talk about is B side girl. Beatles-esque sort of harmonies there. I like they were like, those first two songs were a little too long. This one's going to be two minutes and 55 seconds. We're going (laughs) to...
1: I could picture the credits going over the beginning of a sitcom with this song. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I love
0: that little guitar thing he puts in there for here. And that's kind of one, like in in an Eddie Van Halen sort of way, creating interesting things with the rhythm guitar, other than just strumming chords, which I always really dig. And that's something that I think guitarists of this caliber don't get enough credit for. And this would be a I great song. I think another good thing song. about,
1: like, it sounds like I don't know, maybe deceptively simple, but you know, little little things like that make it more interesting. Plus, the fact that somebody like Satriani and I'm sure the other guys being so such good musicians is that they could compose like a better song, a better simplistic song than most people. Yes.
0: I was just about to talk how Beatles-esque it was, and then he comes up with a sitar. Or a sitar-sounding guitar, I should say.
1: Just when I said he wasn't doing anything too out there. I don't know, maybe it was a sitar. I feel like that's something that uh, that Vi would do, too, Mm -hmm. in later albums, which he probably, you know, got from Satriani.
0: I know we've talked about this before, but when you hear something like this, there's so many examples in the Deep Purple extended family of things like that just like, why wasn't this a bigger deal? You know, you could have seen, you could have heard these songs on the radio just as much as any other crap they were throwing on the radio back then. I mean, like, Mm -hmm. some good stuff, some really good melodic stuff, but it's just like... Wrong place, wrong time, wrong people, wrong look. Not enough marketing. Wrong management. Who knows what it is? There's, there's that certain. Um, you know, I could. I, I'm sure this, this is. These guys could have been bigger than some of the other things if, if a few things had bounced more in their in their uh, favor, but they just never happened.
1: Yeah, I I agree. Um, I I think a lot of it now. Like, uh, I think a lot of this stuff When you think, oh, why has nobody heard of this is a combination of everything that you said, which I, I think that, you know, any band doing stuff like this is trying to, trying to make it, trying to get it heard, mm-hmm. uh, trying to get picked up, whatever. Um, I think it's definitely like no interest from people at the time or not enough support behind it or whatever. I think to me that I feel like that's one of the biggest reasons, like if I had to make an educated guess, on why a lot of these things were like, why wasn't that more popular?
0: <laughs> yep. So, what do you think of B Side Girl?
1: Um, aside from a, a kind of an odd title, like I really enjoyed it. I'm going to give that one a four. Ooh, John giving the Beatles esque song a four. Wow. Yeah. Well, you know. I mean, I didn't say that I didn't like Beatles-esque stuff. (laughs) Esky doesn't mind. (laughs) (laughs) Like, you know, if it evokes the Beatles, it just can't be the Beatles. (laughs) (laughs) What if I told you
0: I snuck that one in it's actually a Paul McCartney solo song? No, just kidding.
1: Ah, you (laughs) bastard. No, it's, uh, it's, it's really, uh, it's really great. I mean, even I know that it sounded very, uh, very Beatle like, um, but, um, yeah, it was, it was enjoyable and, and you picked out a few, uh, kind of little flourishes in there that were more interesting than, like you said, the, the standard just strumming or just going straight ahead. And that just shows what a, uh, you know, great musicians, uh, a great musician he was already.
0: Absolutely, um, yeah. I'll give this one a four too. I I really dig it. I like the vocal harmonies. I like the arrangement. I love the. It's yeah. It's a, it's a nice fun little romp. Um, which brings us to our next track. I'm really flying through these tracks. They're so short. <laughs> and, yeah, I know. And the next one's even shorter. So they just keep getting Jesus. slightly shorter. Uh, this one is um, called "I Need a Lot of Love."
2: Hmm.
0: funny i've listened to this a bunch of times but i've never made such strong joe jackson connections as i am tonight this is another one that's got joe jackson sound to it
1: Is that a harmonica? harmonica? Yeah. Kind of buried in there. That's really interesting. Wonder who
0: played the harmonica? Yeah, I never noticed that harmonica before. (laughs)
1: There's some cool little vocal things on these songs. Yeah, there's a
0: a lot of intricate, quick little harmonies and things like that.
1: Yeah, nothing crazy, but stuff you don't always hear.
0: It's a two and a half minute song. I think about two of those minutes are just, I need a lot of love.
1: I mean, at least he's saying what he wants. That's right.
0: He's stating his intentions. I think he wants and needs a lot of love. But yeah, that's a quick one. Two and a half minutes long. Mm. Um, John, what do you think of I need a lot of love?
1: I think it needs a lot of three I don't know. I'm we'll see. We'll see. I'm 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 building up here. I'm building up. Um <laughs> we're, we're four songs in. <laughs> uh yeah. So um this this one was um yeah, it was another good one. And You know what it really makes me think of um is um I feel like an album that tried to do the same thing as this, which maybe the guitar players came from a similar spot was like in I don't know. It was probably like the the. it had to have been the 2000s mm-hmm. uh, was C.C. DeVille had done from Poison had done a solo album. Mm-hmm. And it was like um, it was like this. It, it was in the same vein as this type of music. I think it was like, you know, trying to do a throwback to that kind of like uh, kind of power pop with like a little bit of punk influence in there, um, because that song reminded me of one because I remember buying it because I thought like, oh, I like C.C. DeVille. I like C.C. C. DeVille. Yep. He's not that bad, but I mean, he's not that great either. But anyways, <laughs> the the album was different for him. You know, it didn't sound anything like Poison. And it was more like, you know, here's my solo project that shows my roots, man. Type oh, yeah, thing.
2: Yeah.
1: And um, yeah, and it wasn't it wasn't bad. But I mean, it had like a lot of kind of stuff that sounded like this. So I feel like, um, you know, that that kind of gave me a better idea of like what some other people were doing later when he they were, you know, actually doing this at the time. Um, but, um, but yeah, you know, I, I think that like, uh, so far the choruses are what are like, not really doing it for me. Like it, in terms of like, um, they're good. They're like, they're really like snappy and they're, they're kind of quick and they're, uh, you know, kind of quirky, but it's just like, um, I don't know, I guess like, uh, maybe, I don't know what the word is like. I don't know kind of kind of goofy or whatever, like yeah, yeah, or not very, yeah, I guess quirky would be like a better word for it, you know, not really like uh like powerful or too melodic or something, like you're finding most of that like in the verses and in like the melody of the song, and then they go like I need a lot of love, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know? which is kind of like it's fun, but it's um. You know, and it keeps the song moving along. It's just like, um, you know, I like, you know how I am about choruses, you know, like a good, like a good big old chorus. Yeah.
0: Um, I also give it a three. I think it's it's one of those songs. It's kind of kind of a throwaway song. There's not a lot to it. It's not super Mm -hmm. creative or interesting, but they are bringing such a you can you can feel the excitement with what how they're performing it you know it doesn't sound like anybody's phoning yeah. it in or that anybody's bored like they're giving it their all and they're putting a lot of passion behind it. i could see this song easily being a, a two if it was performed the wrong way um but yeah i mean it's everything on this album is like good good solid playing and songs and and you know also it's it's described as being demos so it's you know mm-hmm. for for demos pretty damn good um <coughs> mm-hmm. but um, yeah with that we go on to our next track so I forgot to read uh, he's got a few blurbs about some of these songs Um, I forgot to read the one about the first one but this is one that has a, a video on YouTube it's called So Used Up and Joe Satriani says of this song one of the more unusual and progressive Squares songs with lyrics that are a bit darker than our usual upbeat message I still find the guitar arrangement unique and intriguing and it's one of my favorite songs to play so here we go this is the track uh, Wait, yeah, So Used Up
1: Slow Start
0: This one sounds like a Joe Satriani solo song <laughs> when it, The way it starts And that effect hmm
2: uh-huh. All that's fit to print Nothing there but words and pictures Maybe this is it
0: That guitar is pretty cool
1: Yeah Yeah, this is definitely more interesting. But he still keeps it kind of simple during the verses. Mm-hmm.
0: But it's got that Joe Satriani solo mm-hmm. feel to it. It does have a slightly darker and more haunting feeling to it.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Very cool.
0: So not even like a guitar solo, more just like a... A weird... Just a a bunch of noise. Just stuff that kind of, but it does kind of reach a crescendo and it does have like the same tension that a guitar solo would build up just with all this different people chattering and talking and noises and some guitar. Ending. Mm. It's worth noting that I did skip over a song, so we'll go back and do that song after we rank this one. I messed, I messed it up. Oh, you dead? Yeah, I skipped over <clears throat> the song before this one, so we'll just go back and do it. It's a compilation anyway. Hey, first time that that's ever happened that I can remember in 159 episodes. So a landmark. All right. So used up, John. What do you think about this one?
1: I'm gonna uh I'm gonna use up a four on this one. Ooh,
0: it's all used. You can't give out any more fours. It's
1: all used up. Nope. It's all used up. Everything else is no, nah, I don't know. Um <laughs> I'm just looking back at our the it. last
0: r- album we ra- rated right above this one. There's a zero on there. so <laughs> Yeah, that one's all used up.
2: Yeah, that,
0: like, the
1: last time was I gave a zero, like uh, never, I don't that think. That was
0: the only time you've been 100, uh, at that point, 157 episodes. But I don't, you yeah, know, I'm going to call it. I don't think there's going to be any zeros on this album.
1: <laughs> no. Um, uh, but this one, um, this one was really good for, like, as soon as you were just like, yeah, this one was really. Um, When you read the thing about it being uh, more different, dark, um, Mm -hmm. you know, a a guitar line that he thinks is interesting. It's definitely all that. Um, I really liked it. It it reminded me like of um, I know I I, uh, mentioned Hughes Thrall before, but it kind of reminded me of like that same energy of like I got your number, which was the opening track on Hughes Thrall. Mm -hmm. Um, I could even like picture like Glenn Hughes singing this. Yep. Um, Just because of the nature of the, you know, a little bit more like, I mean, you know, you had Pat Thrall who was doing like, you know, some some cool guitar stuff along these lines. And like the production was very similar It came out around the same time. So, um, you know, it it had uh, it has a lot of uh, has a lot of cool qualities to it. And it's like it's nice to hear like a band like this have these like upbeat songs and they have that one kind of darkish song in there. So, yeah, yeah. I'm you glad you brought it.
0: up the Hughes-Thrall connection because that, that's one I forgot to mention. But yeah, it's it kind of fits in neatly with that. You know, that the, these were the same year that, that this stuff was being recorded. So, um, oh, you stop. You can just... <laughs> <laughs> that
1: was good. <laughs> yeah. uh, I mean, these guys, like, uh, arguably had better haircuts than the other guys at the time. <laughs> so, from what I've seen so far, like the... Um, Hughes made some very interesting hair choices um after the seventies. Yeah, the eighties yeah, were not his
0: n- not really his um strongest friend. point for anything. <laughs> they were not his friend. <laughs> hairdo, health, uh anything. But um but yes, uh I, I agree. I will also so far we're hundred percent locked in. I will also give this one a four. I love this track. Um there's one track on this album and I can't I don't know what it's called. I don't remember what it's called, but that that um That I may rank higher than this, but I'm not sure Uh, But it's it's a good one Um, Anyway uh, So that was, uh, I'm gonna go, so we're gonna rewind uh, And the track that Got skipped was the fifth track Unbelievable, I know, John's shaking his head over there Unbelievable, this guy's screwing it up Um, Unbelievable (laughs) This one's called, uh, Can't Take It Anymore John can't take it anymore that I messed this up Here we go
1: I can't Kind of a blues thing.
0: Almost four minutes.
2: Wow,
0: this one's long. (laughs) This is the epic on the album.
1: (laughs) The epic.
0: I love that little guitar thing It's so simple but That's a really Love that chorus The verse is a little Pedestrian
2: <laughs> mm.
0: Yeah, so the verse and the pre-chorus are a little more simple as well as this bridge here. But mm-hmm. oh, man, I love that chorus. Again, very restrained mm-hmm.
2: For him, yeah
0: at this point according to my calculations he would have been playing guitar for about 12 years
1: oh okay well that seen some kids now online <laughs> who aren't online even 12 that, like, <laughs> yeah that have been playing for like half this time and they're already blowing people away <laughs>
0: I can't take it anymore so far the longest song on the album john what do you think of that one
1: um mm, uh, uh you know what i'm gonna give it a 2.5 um ju- uh, almost kind of a throwaway mm-hmm. um i think uh just because of the lazy blues yep <laughs> nobody's immune I mean, lazy blues song I mean, there were a couple of good, like little things in there. Like you were talking about the, the, you know, kind of the guitar uh, part that he did in the chorus, a little bit of echo in there where he hit the note and it kind of delayed. Um, he always does a couple of cool things like that, but it was just, um, it was kind of like slow, little, little sluggish, you know, not yeah. too interesting, I didn't think.
0: Yeah, man, we are, we are one for one here. I'm giving it 2.5 as well. I don't, really care for the verse and the pre-chorus or the bridge, but the I love the chorus, I love the, the guitar effect, the, the harmonies mm-hmm. I think it's great I think if they had stuck that into a different song that had a more interesting verse that wasn't just a Lazy Blues song, it would be better What happened? You look like you're
1: I know, I just heard some weird noises. It looks
0: like you heard somebody crawling around in your ear vents or something
1: That's literally what it sounded like <laughs> Um okay, next track up
0: is called You Can Light the Way There you
2: go. Telling all your friends That you're on the edge again
0: Little departure here
2: Don't you know You're the only one On whom you should depend You can laugh
0: the ah, okay I was like, I don't remember the song But now I do I remember this part (laughs) I don't remember that weird intro
2: It's
1: a part of the 80s movies where you see the the star-crossed lovers in like two different parts of town Like (laughs) rushing to get to the same place so they can like Defy the odds and be like I love you
0: I was I was seeing it as there were two different parts of town, but they were both like thinking about each other. But they both they were like, "Well, we're done. Oh yeah. Well, if we're done, then then screw you. All right, bye." And then, but there's now they're now they're at home thinking about each other.
1: Could, it could like, work on many levels. She's buying a bus ticket, and he's like yeah, exactly. racing there to get there to stop her before she gets on and she, drives she off has forever. A big suitcase. <laughs> or running through the airplane terminal. Back when you could, like, you know, buy a ticket and get on at the last minute. Exactly, yeah. Like, where are you going? I don't know. Away from here. (laughs) Solid plan, idiot.
0: he's already doing a lot of really cool effects and things with his guitar but you can tell the budget wasn't quite there yeah but someone of his caliber playing was able to work around it and come up with some really cool sounds This one also has a video on YouTube. Satriani says of this song, this is a great example of the band wanting to stretch and write a more meaningful songs. I love John Hmm. Cunaberdi's production. The backwards reverb on the acoustic guitar is awesome. Hmm, All right. You can light the way, John. Light the way to our ratings. Um, (laughs)
1: Um, hmm. Um, I'm going to light it with a three. All right. I I thought it was good, but I mean, I can start to see where a lot of the, a lot of the songs are sounding the same, but that being said, is that, um, it sounds like a, like you were saying, like a, um, like a a cohesive collection of songs. Mm -hmm. So like, it's part of an album, but I can, I can like, I'm starting to hear more of like, okay, I can see how this is a demo and, um, Uh, right now. And, um, it's good. Like, um, the song's definitely got some good stuff in there, but it's, um, you know, hasn't, didn't really grab me like all the other ones, uh, did, but, um, yeah, there's some good stuff in there.
0: Yeah, for sure. With a little bit of tweaking on some of the songs and, you know, losing maybe a couple and taking some parts from others. I think you could definitely have an awesome album in here, but I will also give that a three. Man, I don't think we've ever made it this far without any any variance. There's a zero variance so far? I don't think um, we've ever ranked a song a hundred percent the same on every single song. So, mm, well, some, we'll see. Yeah, four we songs still got left. Some left. Anything could happen. But yeah, I, I i like I like the overall feel of the song. And Like I, I said, it said, it sounds of the time, and it mm-hmm. sounds like it could have been a hit at the time. Like it sounds like something you could easily have heard on the on the radio just as easily as easily as you heard any other like Duran Duran song or something. Mm-hmm. All right, the next song is tonight. Another short one too. Oh yeah.
2: Heard
1: it <laughs> it kind of sounds like a Weird Al song. <laughs> <laughs> that's what he makes me sound think of. He's got those Weird Al vocals. Yeah, you're right. Which isn't a bad thing because Weird Al's not a bad singer. Oh, we love Weird Al.
2: Staying inside, outside. Don't mistake it. Let's just make it tonight. Tonight, it's gonna be alright. Tonight.
0: probably most extended uh yeah show of Joe's guitar playing so far one it's like reminds me of like the early Beatles songs. Two and a half minutes, a lot of yeah melodies quick in and out of the verses and choruses. Obviously, slightly different feel, but. Mm, tonight. Well, John, tonight, what are you going to rank tonight?
1: Oh, well, that was a great weird out loud take. Um, <laughs> um, I'm going to give this one a three as well. Um, at this point, the, the songs are kind of sounding the same or similar. Um, the, the one thing that like was, I think was interesting. I'm not going to fault it for being not as good as it could have been, but you can tell that Satriani's guitar solo was like not produced very well. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like you could, like, you could tell that he was playing like really well, but it, it wasn't like a great produced solo. Like, um. it it like, um, it didn't sound like he was struggling. It just sounds like it wasn't recorded that great because I mean, I, I recognize that, that kind of like that feel and that sound of like when something's uh, a demo or maybe he was doing a rough take or something like that. But, um, still it was nice to hear some of those kind of odd, uh, chord choices in there, uh, you know, thrown in like a little, you know, kind of subtle. And then like him, like you said, doing that, um, Extended his first extended solo, so um, mm-hmm. yeah, pretty cool stuff.
0: Yeah, I will give it a 3.5. So oh, we are, we are the variance has ended, and not just, not just, I mean, be- begun, <laughs> <laughs> the variance has begun, and not just to vary, but um, yeah, I like, I think it's really catchy and upbeat. And again, it, it's, I think one of the things they really knew how to do in this band was not belabor the point, you know, there's so many songs we've covered on the show were like oh my god enough <laughs> like this is <laughs> if you turn this song into a five minute song it was like okay like there's not much we, we get it like um and they get in and out two and a half minutes get their point across mm-hmm. deliver a guitar solo yeah i can see what you're saying about the production it sounds like the, the guitar was not sitting on top of the mix the way right. it probably should for a uh guitar solo it just kind of sounded like um it yeah sounded a little bit lost a little muddy But hey, if your guitar solo is uh, getting a little lost, don't uh, don't let it get you down. Or never let it get you down. Especially with our next track, Never Let It Get You Down. This one's almost five minutes long.
1: All right, this is the true epic. The true epic of the album. Oh boy. <laughs> 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 oh, this is gonna be a long five minutes.
2: Uh- <laughs> wow.
0: <laughs> Matola's M- 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 r- decision is in early on this one.
1: Reminds me of um This makes me think of an uh, Ozzy tonight. song Tonight Yep, I was thinking the it's same thing It's funny because I was yeah.
0: just thinking of Tonight earlier Because of the song Tonight And now I hear this And yep. I'm like that whole Lead up to the chorus Or after the chorus mm-hmm. Sounds like Tonight
1: So I'm thinking I can picture Ozzy singing this
0: Yep. He practically did This would have have been recorded right around the same time. I wonder if it was inspired by it.
1: But this car could be like, goodbye to romance. So it's kind of a combo of like the two Aussie ballads from around this time.
0: eso I wonder if they're going to modulate up on the vocals. It's like the only trick they're missing so
1: far. (laughs) Hey, we'll see. Well, actually, you would know because you've already heard this album. I I don't remember. I don't keep track of (laughs) what songs modulate up. Hmm.
0: (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised, though. Nate keeps
1: track of all the modulations. (laughs) I have a little spreadsheet. (laughs) Nate's modulation spreadsheet. (laughs) If
0: they did, it would be coming up soon, though, I think.
1: Mm
0: hmm. Maybe after the second guitar solo here.
1: Oh, wow. I mean, this is almost like,
0: like Randy. very Randy Rhodes. Yep. Oh, maybe they're just gonna end on a guitar solo, no modulation. <sighs> Missed opportunity. Oh, well. It's actually much better that they don't do that.
1: <laughs> right? Yeah. I'm
0: just expecting it. Yeah, it's gonna be more like good- goodbye to romance, kind of right now, like that fade out on the on the lengthy solo. <laughs> I wonder if he is like holding back or if he just wasn't really at that level yet as a player. But I mean, I know he was teaching some of the greats at this point. He must have been so interesting. Yeah, but I mean, I just can't imagine him holding back on every recording like that unless he was being. You know, hey, man, we're trying for radio play. Don't don't do anything crazy. I mean, he's playing very well. It sounds great. Mm. Um, well, I mean, I'm
1: I'm also thinking, too, like, um, I mean, there's two things. First of all, is, is that this is a a very specific band situation. So he could have been tailoring what he was doing to that. Yeah. Or the second thing is, is like, even though he's Joe Satriani and we know what he's done, um, not all guitar teachers are good. That's all I'm saying. Because I've had some guitar teachers who are just like, You suck. Um well, not that I'm great. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean and you I don't mean, have to
0: be a a great player to be a great teacher.
1: Right, but I mean, we obviously know Satriani is. So I'm I'm thinking that maybe it was the the former, you know, that he was he knew what he was trying to achieve in this band, and so it might have been a little bit of he hadn't develop, fully developed his style yet, but he also knew while well, I'm playing in this project, so it's not time to be yeah like an avant garde shredder type of thing.
0: It, it could be that I know I've seen a lot of interviews with Vi and Hammett and. Oh, probably just the two of them. But talking about how he was a real hard ass as a teacher, like he was, you know, like day one, he's like, Hey, listen, man, like you, you, you're going to do the work. If you don't do the work, you're out. I'm done with you. Like he, he like, or he'd like end us. So he'd be like, you didn't practice this week. I think like Steve Vai tells a story about that. Like, like how much did you practice last week? He's like, Oh, and he's like, you didn't practice. Did you? He's like, don't waste my time. Get out of here. So I'm like, he was a like really hard. <laughs> I, I think, I mean, I can't, say exactly but i I seem to remember hearing stories like that more than once so um you know i don't know maybe it was just i know i know they all speak very highly of him. they they love him and obviously you know they go on the g3 tour with him and all that stuff but um it it didn't sound like he was any slouch and any uh uh, easy guy to have as a as a teacher so
1: I wasn't like, that's a guitar teacher type of thing. Like, I mean, I wouldn't want somebody to waste my time either, but I mean, it's like, you feel like you're making your money either way. But at the same time, you know, it was yeah. like, um, I had a, I had a guitar teacher was like the, the first lesson. He's like, don't go cutting your guitar strings just so you can't practice. And I'm like, Hack this guy, what is he talking about? Cutting your guitars? What do you mean? Yeah. Like, Oh, I couldn't practice. Cause all my guitar strings broke. Who the hell does, does that? Is this a well, big problem? Apparently, somebody that was a student of his, you know, was like an excuse not to play, was just like, oh, my guitar springs are all broken. So he's like, practiced. don't you try. Like, like, Why, yeah, why old even old bother fart? going to t- t- lessons if you're going to do that? Because, because, Because when you're a kid, your parents force
0: you. I mean, I feel like that's not as common with guitar, though. Like, maybe piano, but like with... <laughs> You know, my parents don't, are making. Don't cut
1: those piano strings, open up the bag and just get
0: a big. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I broke big, all the bigger. strings on my piano. I couldn't practice. <laughs> you
1: yeah, know, the foot pedal is bro- broke off somehow, so I couldn't, like, uh, you know, couldn't hold those notes.
0: Ridiculous. Um, okay, and so. There are a
1: few keys missing. <laughs> yeah, I snapped I, off. I couldn't a few. practice.
0: <laughs> I'm missing middle C. I don't know. It's kind of an important one. <laughs> <laughs> um all right so uh john what do you rank uh never let it get you
1: down um i'm gonna give this one a three um also overall is a song kind of kind of long um but i'm not going to take off points for it being long or being like whether it was on purpose or not derivative of two ozzy ballads i actually liked it because of that Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought the, the playing and the soloing was really good, especially like for Satriani, it sounded like something very not typical, kind of that emotional uh, ballad solo. Mm-hmm. Not that he doesn't do that on his instrumental albums, but in this, it sounded very, very Randy-ish yeah, song. Yeah. I'm wondering if that was intentional, or if he had heard something, or um, yeah, you know, if he was just uh, influenced by it and didn't realize it. Or, but um, I mean, it's very, very
0: it. reminiscent of of yeah. of several, like you know, tonight, goodbye to romance,
1: and uh, this was within the same couple of years that the, that album was; those albums were released because this was '82, and that was '81 80, and '82. So, yeah. Um, but I mean, um I I thought that that made it interesting. I I um I liked it, but it wasn't um you know, what I wouldn't say it would be a fan favorite, me being the fan. <laughs> um
0: I will give it a four. I really like this one. Oh yeah, I really. There we uh, go. Variances continue. I dug it and I think the yeah, like I, I I I saw the the similarities between those Aussie ballads as a plus, not a minus. And you know, mm-hmm. I don't know. Randy Rhodes would have been a guitar teacher on the scene at the time. I don't know if they were both in the L.A. area True. or where Randy was. Um, but I, I mean, I, I can—they had to have known of each other being on that scene at that time. So I, I don't. Again, I don't know if it was. Uh, intentional or not or sometimes you just you're listening to somebody and you just you you steal their style without even realizing it because it's just on your mind it could have been intentional unintentional or completely unrelated but um but i i dug it i dug it a lot um which brings us to our 10th track on this makeshift album and that one is called follow that heart (laughs)
2: <laughs> Wipe Ha, <laughs> <laughs>
1: This whole part sounds like it could was just lifted out of a Weird Al song. (laughs) (laughs) Now you're making
0: multiple Weird Al collections. Why can't he say,
1: follow that heart.
0: (laughs) Follow that fart. (laughs)
1: That would be Weird Al's.
0: (laughs) It it would have to be something food related. Follow that Pop-Tart. Eat up that, yeah, eat that Pop-Tart. Eat that Pop-Tart.
1: Eat the (laughs) (laughs) Pop-Tart.
0: It's a weird effect because it sounds like all three of those are recorded on separate tracks. Whoa, whoa. Like It doesn't sound like he's doing it on one continuous track. Eat the
1: pop tart. (laughs) Eat the pop tart. Eat the pop tart. (laughs) It is catchy, though.
0: Back into like the jungle jungle toms. I think again the guitar's a little low in the mix. Yeah. I feel like it's fighting with the drums. The drums are great by the way. Yes. But yeah, I think that the one the one common denominator I'm cluing into on this is the um, the en- enormous amount of repetitions in the chorus on such short songs.
2: Mm, yeah, which you
0: know, I, I, again, was probably what they were going for of the style of the day. But,
1: but right, but think about it; If they didn't have that much repetition. The songs would probably be like under three minutes.
0: <laughs> you we know, get another minute and thirty-five second song. But really? but it's amazing. on such a short. It's a short song. It's only verse chorus. Maybe there's a bridge, and a guitar solo. And they're like doing the choruses to death. So it's, um, it's a mm-hmm. lot. But yeah, again, I don't think it's anything out. Would would have been anything out of the ordinary at the time for popular music.
1: Hmm.
0: Um. All right. What do you think of follow that? Or what do you think of eat that pop tart?
1: Eat the pop tart. Eat the pop tart. <laughs> and that was good. That was a good weird out. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'll, I'll give it a three. Um, I, I, um, like I said at this at this point, like all the songs are sounding so similar. I don't even. Mm-hmm. I can't even tell them apart now. But I think you made a good point. Is is that everything being? uh, condensed into these really short songs is really, um, is, is really cool. It's interesting. Like they're able to do the, the verses, choruses, bridge, a little solo, more repetitive chorus. Like they're, they're packing a lot in there mm-hmm. and, um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's catchy. I mean, obviously the fact that we're singing it and, you know, uh, uh, uh having a good time with it, you know, um, is indication that it is very, um, very catchy and a lot of fun. So, um, but that being said too, like, um, I guess I'm like waiting for like some really cool Satriani stuff to happen. And it's not like, like like one big moment, you know, (laughs) the last
0: song Um, is just going to be every trick in the book.
1: (laughs) Right. But I mean, uh, but I mean, I'm getting what I think we realistically should be expecting is, is like, Early early Satriani stuff with some uh, some cool sprinkles in there, you know. Yep. I agree.
0: I I also agree on the three. I agree on the three. Follow that heart gets a three. He agrees on the three. Right. Follow that three. Follow that three. Um. Yeah, it's good. It's good stuff. I mean, they're they're all good, good, solid pop tunes, new wave sounding kind of. Um. Yeah. I mean, it's. It's great. I think it's a this great little time capsule of what was going on at the time and someone, you know, who wasn't quite, hadn't quite reached his peak yet as a, a musician and producer and all that. Well, you know, he hadn't even really released any albums yet. Um, but yeah, it's mm. it's just, it's, it's, it was more than just mm. interesting when it came out. I thought it was a really interesting uh, or very uh poppy and fun kind of album. And even, even when some of the stuff is maybe a little repetitive or maybe a little bit half baked, it still keeps that kind of fun vibe going. Um, which leads us to our last song, the final track on the album. I love how you love me. Oh, in this one I should, you know what I forgot to say, I don't know if there was anything about follow your heart. Um, there was not. I missed something about never never let it get you down. But um I love how you love me. So this one is written by Barry Mann and Larry Kobler. Uh Barry Mann is uh uh has like three thousand entries on Discogs as a songwriter. He won two Grammys for the song Somewhere Out There. Remember that you know that song, right? Uh, song of the Year and Best Song Written for a Motion Picture. Somewhere out there, ba
1: ba 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 ba.
0: I, I don't, know anything else about. It yes. was it from that movie, like, but the mouse or something?
1: Remember, <laughs> An American Tale. An American yeah. Tale. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> what was that movie? The mouse. Yeah, <laughs> I okay. didn't say
0: the movie was called the mouse. I said it was a it movie. What was that movie The Mouse? Like... I really simplified it and lost the clever pun in the title. No, I it was a movie about a mouse.
1: Yes, the American tale, Fivel. What
0: was that movie, Dinosaur? You mean Jurassic Park? Yeah, that's the one.
1: <laughs> <laughs> um You know the one where the dinosaur kills Newman from Seinfeld? Oh, yeah. Mm. I should have called it that.
0: Um, and then his co-writer has... Uh, several hundred credits on Discogs as well, uh, Larry Kolber so, uh, so some heavy hitting songwriting on this one so it's I guess a cover um, so here you go, I Love How You Love Me
2: I love how your eyes close
1: Oh, this is different mm-hmm.
2: Whenever you kiss me And when I'm away from you
0: When I'm a wet mule
2: <laughs> I love how you miss me
0: Oh away, away from you? I don't know what he said
1: I love the way you love <laughs> there we go and then right back into it you knew it was
0: gonna do this
2: <laughs> he's
1: doing some cool um, rhythm stuff here <laughs> little dive bomb yeah. see he's throwing all the tricks in oh, now he's tapping
0: so maybe he wasn't tapping maybe he was just Joe Satriani said they use this as their encore for the live shows
1: Yeah, it definitely has that encore energy.
0: So this is the single was written for the Paris sisters in 1961.
2: I love how you love me.
1: Now was this recorded before?
0: It was recorded in the 1961. So it's a cover? Yeah. Cover of the Paris Sisters songs.
1: Hmm. Yeah, this is very Satriani, now you can tell. <laughs>
0: Whoa. Abrupt ending there. Abrupt? Yes. So that is, uh, that is, uh, I Love How You Love Me by not the Paris Sisters, but by Squares.
1: John, what do you think of that one? I think that was a great, uh, that was a great ending song. I'll give it a four. All right. Yeah, I like, um, I I think it's funny how you like, maybe, I don't know if you forgot or if you were just like, if you knew, I feel like you forgot. Were you like, what if he brings out all the tricks in the last song and he kind of did? I totally, totally did not remember the song at all. (laughs) Yeah, he kind of did. But I mean, I like the I like the energy. I like the singing, too. Yeah. Um, I like the vocals, too, Um, as well as like uh, the guitar work, which still, you know, sounded lacking mostly the production, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, not the not the playing. Like, I'm sure that if he had had like, you know, better equipment, better production, it would have been like more uh, pulled together. But I I like it for that reason, as it fits in with the whole. You know, vibe of. Um, you know these songs, and um, you know I'm surprised that like when these <laughs> these songs took off, they didn't do that kind of remote.'s like two three four. <laughs> yeah,
2: exactly.
1: <laughs> a little the count off two three four. You
0: know, yeah, I expected like, that when it when it when it kicked in at the beginning part,
1: but um, maybe a little on the nose. Um, but um, but yeah, there were a lot of uh, a lot of things that I liked in here. When you mentioned that it was like an encore song, it's like immediately got into my head of like, yeah, I could picture this being at the end of the set, and everybody's like, yeah, more, and then this keeps everybody hyped up, like going out on the high note.
0: And it teases them a little first with that, those little volume swells, and oh, what are they doing? Some weird sort of thing, and then it kicks into this really yeah. up tempo version, which would have been like this was kind of like in that in that time period where. Um, I think like the early, the mid eighties is that, that particular idea of, Hey, let's take an old song from what 20 years ago, 25 years ago, which seemed Mm -hmm. like ancient at that point, you know, let's take a song from the early sixties. That was like a, a sixties hit that was sung by like female singers and we'll turn it into this like. Upbeat punk rock sort of thing and haha, ha, won't that be funny? Like Megadeth right. with uh these boots are made for walking and um <laughs> these, I mean there's so many different examples of of that doing that thing, yeah. you know? And uh people don't really do that as I mean, I guess people people there's always a lot of bands that have to do that kind of smarmy take on like, haha, isn't it ironic that we're doing this song that's old. Oh and- yeah,
1: there's um oh yeah, there's there's one now that um I've heard a couple of them, which has been really weird. There's like some kind of weird version of, um, who, who did that, uh, song man on the moon? Um, REM. Oh yeah. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And there's like some kind of like, kind of like weird dancey version of it. And it's like, oh, how long yeah. ago was that? Like 30 years. Yeah. And I remember when it came out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, people do that a lot, and they just completely
0: change the feel of a of a song. Sometimes it's done yeah. really cool, and sometimes it's done just like people just joking around. But it's—I mean—it's right. a good idea. It's—it's—and it, you make something your own. Um, Joe Satriani says of the song, "That was our encore song. It was lead vocalist Andy Milton's idea to do this song. He sang it straight while Jeff and I rocked out as fast and hard. So, yeah, you can hear he's pulling out all the stops and." Um, I on, it. on this one. I will also give this one a 4 because I think it's fun. It's a good time. Good upbeat and um before we move on for traveling on, we should listen to the original. Let's take a listen.
2: I love how your eyes glow
0: You know, obviously stuck really true to the melody.
1: Yeah. This one's even. This one's only two minutes long. <laughs> I'm sure there are no shred guitar solos in this.
0: Well, don't be so sure. You never know with the Paris Sisters. They might really. Uh, they bring in the little the strings there. Song, great melody I love
2: the way you
0: so anyway that is the uh, the Paris sisters no shred guitar solo just going to go into an orchestrated sort of solo after that <laughs> you- orchestra solo <laughs> um <laughs> can't see John conducting. <laughs> um, okay, so there you have it with the tracks and the ratings. And as John puts on his uh his little green visor and tabulates up the results, I will I will <laughs> go through our uh, patrons and that is of course our our foundation level, I'm sorry patrons um, bringing it in at the end of the show, at the $3.33 halfway to Evil tier we have Raph Calf, at the $3 Nobody's Perfect tier we have Peter Gardeau, Ian DeRosier, Mark Roback, Duncan Leask, Stuart McCord Flight of the Rat Bat Blue Light Ivan Fjeldbu Brunar Simonson.
2: It's a great life if you know we can.
0: It's a- And of course. Hey our newest patron. Oh no, wait, hey-o. I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's John, he already moved up. <laughs> So John Kynes, thank you for moving up. I'll delete you from that tier now. Um, And at the $1 made-up name tier, we have the Right-Angled Gravesite, Leaky Mausoleum, Stephen Somerville, The Concerto, 1999 Fanatic, Spike the Rock Cat, J.J. Sennard, Hank the Tank, Private Eyes, Ashen Lionel, Sugar Tits, and Blackmore's Tights. Thank you to all of them never failing to get a laugh out of John. Um, (laughs) Oh,
1: Sugar Tits. And I'm sure Sugar
0: Tits thinks that is a dollar well spent.
1: Mm, it is, to make me laugh. To
0: get Nate to say that every week. All right. Well, Thank you so much to all of you for your generous support of the Deep Purple Podcast. We couldn't do it without you. John, where does squares stack up in the uh, album rankings?
1: The album ranking is a 6.68 with only a .14 variance, which we could have guessed because... We close. only differed on a couple of songs,
0: although we've had a lot we of um closer albums on in aggregate, but I don't think we've
1: ever had so many songs we agreed on one hundred percent yeah, um so this is um this album as a whole is a little toward the the bottom of the bottom of the barrel um of uh, uh, albums overall. Mm-hmm. Um, but that doesn't uh, that, you know that doesn't mean anything um, really. Um, so it's a little bit below, um, wild thing by fancy and a little bit above slaves and masters by (laughs) Uh actual deep purple.
0: (laughs) Some people will probably agree with that. And some people will probably be angry about that, but yes. Okay.
1: But before everybody gets their panties in a twist, it's like 0.01 above that. So Yeah. Let's let's all calm down.
0: Yeah, it's a very tight margin here. But still, I think people would there are some people who would think it's sacrilege that it could even be considered in the same breath as a proper Deep Purple album. But there's some people probably saying, ah, Slaves of Masters should be way below it. It's a very divisive <laughs> album
1: that way. <laughs> it should be near Warhorse. <laughs> well yeah really anything the only thing that's near warhorse is warhorse and uh, <laughs> it's the other warhorse album <laughs> and it deserves to be right down there yeah I the, bye.
0: bye bitch the jumps between albums are very sharp at, at that that low level and then yeah it gets a little a little closer <laughs> <laughs> uh, War Horse. Mm. all right there you have it that is uh that is squares. And before we wrap up, I do have a few, um, reviews. So these are all like, obviously you can tell by just looking at them, all marketing, uh, put out by the label to promote this album. But basically Joe Satriani got a bunch of his buddies to comment on the album. And, uh, if I can find the uh, screen here to comment on the album and, and, and made some little graphics about them. So why is it not showing up? Uh, Here it is. Um, So here we go. Steve Vai says, Joe's guitar playing on these tracks is perfectly arranged, raw and visceral, with impeccable intonation and tone, exquisite phrasing and fierce chops, all with no whammy bar or wah-wah. This record is a jewel for all Satch lovers and a peek into the past of one of our beloved guitar geniuses. Steve Vai, high, high praise about the album from Steve Vai. Who's next? Ah, Paul Gilbert. The melodic vocals and well-written songs here make it worth a trip back to this era. Super tight rhythms and killer solos abound. Paul, Paul Gilbert ex, uh, adjusting his shades There is he? Is he have like a Gibson SG in that photo? Usually doesn't he play no, that? So oh, it might not. Be. It's hard to tell because it's all black and white, but I think he, because usually it's that crazy guitar with that like top, Think mm-hmm. is I think that's what it is, but it sort of looks like an SG because it you can't really see the guitar blends into him. Mm-hmm. Sammy Hagar says, unbelievable. I swear to God, I think this is great. This could come out today. Like he's mm-hmm. like, I swear to God, it's like now I think you're lying. <laughs> like, why would you say that? I swear to God. I swear to God, I really like this. <laughs> of course, that's his uh his brother from Chicken Foot, so. Saying some good things about his buddy. John Petrucci from Dream Theater. Wow, this is way too cool. I feel like I'm getting a glimpse into Joe's past with these Squares demos, and the songs are really taking me back to the music scene of the early 80s. It's really great to hear all the sachisms and insane guitar solos infused into these pop-punk tunes. Joe has such a unique voice on the instrument, and his tone is undeniable no matter who he's playing with.
1: Mm, I feel like that's the most honest and accurate review. Yeah, it's- that's pretty good, except when they're talking about like insane guitar solos, and it's—I mean, they're—they're they're good.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, yeah, even for the time, they weren't like—I mean, they're—they're they're very good. I mean, he's obviously awesome, but I mean, yeah, and
1: I'm well, I mean, you know, they're not gonna—he's got—he's—he's he's got them like saying like trying to promote the album. He's gonna be, yeah, Joe's solos are mediocre at best. Thumbs yeah, up. Mean, it's like John Petrucci,
0: and he they, he says this, and he goes off and plays two hundred and fifty six notes. I mean, that, that guy's like insane. Yeah. Uh, especially that I love that video of John Petrucci where he looks like you. He look he looks like uh, like. <laughs> In 2004, John Petrucci and John Mottolo looked almost identical. We should have, like, a a side-by-side of the two of them. (laughs) Like, when you had your really short hair, he had his really short hair. He had the goatee, Mm -hmm. like, just like you used to have. Like, although probably not in 2004 you didn't, but... um, Yeah, it's like it's like in
1: the late 90s, I believe I did.
0: Yeah, it's it's like, yeah, it's like there's one there's one in particular live dream theater thing that I watch quite frequently that I'm like, (laughs) it's like it's John on stage and not John Petrucci. (laughs) Um.
1: Uh, Maybe it's me in another life. It
0: could be. Next up, we have Phil Collin from Def Leppard. It's great listening to great musicians and figuring out what their roots were and where it led them. Whether it's Mm -hmm. Jeff Beck in the Yardbirds or George Benson playing on Miles Davis or Sinatra Records, you get a little glimpse of where these musical giants can potentially and ultimately go, given the right circumstances. Here's Joe Satriani's 1980 release with the Squares, and you can definitely hear that there's something special going on with the guitar player, even though the band has a new wave power pop flavor. You can hear the solos sound like a young Joe Satriani.
2: Mm -hmm.
0: And then finally, Neil Giraldo. Thanks, Joe, for sharing a look back into your musical beginnings. I'm sure I speak for all of us steel benders that we wouldn't have expected anything but greatness from you. Here you go. From his friends. Of course, I mean, you're not going to get, you're not going to get any, any guitar shred royalty, say bad word about Joe Satriani, And if they did, they wouldn't post it on their website as marketing, but it's just kind of interesting hearing those guys. Cause those are all, like, you
1: know, famous. It'd for. be like, meh, Steve <laughs> Like, yeah.
0: Yeah, Who are they missing here? They didn't put, put, I'm trying to think of the G3 guys, Ingve. Yeah, this didn't do anything for me.
1: To be honest, this oh, kind of blows. He'd <laughs> be like the last person you'd go to to say anything nice about anybody.
0: Yeah, Ingve um, would be like, "Sorry, I never got around to listening to the album. I was too busy listening to Paganini.
1: <laughs> good, but not as good as a young me, Ingve. A young um, me." <laughs> uh, All right, folks. Well, that's it. And and then
0: I think the other thing is like they, you know, he. uh, I think one of it, Phil Collins said the Squares, but I guess it. What the band was kind of sometimes called the Squares, and they eventually shortened Mm -hmm. it to Squares. So I think there's a. I'll put a link in the show notes. It's a link to like they have kind of like an official site on Satriani's website where they kind of talks a little bit about uh, the history of Squares. Uh, It's kind of Mm -hmm. kind of interesting. Um, But yeah, that's uh, that's the album. Um. So, yeah, yeah. Joe leads leaves this and goes to uh, do his solo career. Um, and yeah, we we we. Uh, one of the questions we got asked for our interview show that we didn't get to was someone had asked like, Hey, are you going to do like? Remember in the early early episodes we did before they were purple, and we did Glenn Hughes and gave a Coverdale mm-hmm. and um, Ian Gillen and Roger Glover. We did all that, but um, somebody asked, Hey, how come you didn't do one on on um Joel and Turner? And kind of the idea, I think, was years ago, we would do one on everybody before they joined joined Deep Purple. But then when we got to this, we got to the point where we're like, well, Joe Lynn Turner's in Rainbow and we cover all these Rainbow albums. So we're not going to do it before he was Purple because we kind of have already done that. Um, So so, yeah, so we're not going to really do that with Satriani either. You know, maybe up next we'll hit hit start hitting his solo albums to. um. uh, do what's it called? <laughs> I like, can I never remember? Not of this earth, um, mm-hmm. you know. Just start, and start getting into the solo albums because, um, yeah, that's how I always that, that's that's how I got into him was not of this earth, uh, surfing with the alien, and flying in a blue dream. In particular, those were my three the three albums by him that I had. Um, and then I don't think I got too too much more from him after that. But those I I gave a lot of listens to all of that stuff. Me too. Yeah, looking forward looking forward to that one. Uh, but yeah, that's it. That's Squares. Let us know what you think on social media. Check out show notes, deeppurplepodcast.com. we um, Where all fine. Show notes are, are assembled. And yeah, let us know what you think of Squares. Had you heard it before? Is this your first listen? What do you think of some early Joe Satriani? And until next week, John, we'll see you later. Peace out. Never, never give it up, or never give up, or whatever the name of that song never was. Never give up. Never give Peace up. Out. Never give don't up. let anyone make you afraid. All right. <laughs> Later. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Deep Purple podcast. If you like what you hear and would like more episodes in the future, please donate on Patreon to support the show. You can also leave us a review in Apple Podcasts to help new people discover the show. You can follow us on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook for show updates. See deeppurplepodcast.com for more details. Thank you for listening.
1: Hey, what's going on in there? (laughs) Hey, where's what the you remote? Pod- <laughs> what, are <you> pod- <laughs> what are you podcasting without me? <laughs>